to hear. Yeah, that's a great message to hear. Hey, uh, before we get to the message really quick, I do want to have just a quick conversation with, with River Ridgers here. People who come here and say, this is your church, you're a follower of Jesus, and, and this is a place that you call your church home. I just want to point really quick to what Michael and Katie uh, were talking about. So in your chairs, as you got in here, there's a little card there uh, that you can look at. And, and I just want to invite you right now, if you are, again, a River Ridger and you are not serving uh, on any team, I just want to put this out here really quick uh, to, to get involved, get involved with our Ridge Kids ministry. That's the biggest need that we have right now, not just with our buddy program, but pretty much everywhere from nursery all the way to fifth grade. Uh, and I'm telling you the impact that you will make it, it, with our families. Uh, it's worth uh, just looking into, signing up for, and getting more information on uh, if you're not on a serving team. Because again, we believe that every follower of Jesus here needs to have a stake in what we're doing. We can't do what we do, in fact, without people believing that they have a stake in what we're doing. And, and by the way, it is what you see. Like it's what you see here happening already. It's why we have success in the fact that people are just giving their, their time, energy and resources to God in a way to see God doing more and more here. And so I, first of all, just wanna say thank you. I know a lot of you out here are already on a serving team. I wanna say thank you to the hundreds of people that are already doing that. But here's the thing, we're always growing. We're, we were just talking about this, this last week. We have tons of new families coming and not just that, they're staying, they're sticking and they're saying, man, uh, I wanna keep coming here. And so that's the biggest area of growth that we're experiencing is in our Ridge Kids uh, classroom. So that's our biggest need. We need 20 new Ridge Kids leaders, 20. Uh, and that doesn't sound like a lot and you might already be, that's not for me or, or man, I'd, somebody else will do it. That's not the case, that's not the case. Uh, so I really wanna encourage you to grab that card, fill it out. It does not commit you to doing it. It just gets you more information and gets you a little bit more of an understanding of what it looks like. And I'm telling you, uh, it's a great opportunity to make an impact uh, with our kids and our families here. And so just please do that. If you're not on a team, I wanna invite you to be a part of that. Okay, and then drop it off uh, at the table out front or there's buckets here on your way out as well. So hopefully you can do that. Love to get you plugged in on a team. All right, let's get to it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Let's go to Matthew chapter five. Matthew Chapter five is where we're gonna be. And as you're getting there, as you're opening up, here's what I want you to start thinking about as folks are grabbing their Bibles. Have you ever uh, been at or eaten or experienced the most famous thing in the world? Think about that. Have you ever done something like that? Have you ever been at or experienced or eaten the most famous anything? I, I thought about that this week and there's a couple that popped up. So for instance, like uh, I've actually been it's amazing to the most famous canyon in the world. I actually visited the Grand Canyon. Anybody been to the Grand Canyon? It's an amazing sight, isn't it? It's like you just sit there and take it in. That's the most famous canyon where I, uh, Cordy and I, uh, we've been to the most famous amphitheater in the entire world. We went on our honeymoon in Italy and we visited the Colosseum and that was a crazy thing to see uh, as we heard and, and learned more about the Colosseum in Rome. And believe it or not, believe it or not, I was actually not at, I was in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I was in the most famous parade in the world. Now listen to this, as a singer and dancer, if you believe that or not, yes, jazz hands included. Now, I have evidence of that. It was too grainy for them to work on and see, but I promise you, Randy and Benji are my witnesses. I was there in 1995. So hopefully you've experienced that. So here's what we're gonna do. This is why I'm asking this today. Today, we're gonna be in a place with Jesus where people, a group of people are gonna hear what is the most famous sermon in the history of human civilization. It's a sermon that Jesus delivered uh, and it goes on from Matthew five to Matthew seven. We're gonna be just in the front part of this and how he delivers the, the first pieces of it. And hopefully, 
Hopefully, if you are in our reading plan, you already read that a couple weeks ago, but we're gonna look at this, okay? So here's where we are at the point right now with Jesus. Because of what Jesus had been doing and, and what he had been uh, saying, he could not go anywhere at this point without mobs of people following him. Uh, he was, every town he got into, he was a talk of the town. People were gathering around him. Uh, not only because he was talking about God in a way that nobody ever heard, but he was also healing people in a way that people have never seen. And he was teaching them and he was telling them about the kingdom of God. And so this is where we're gonna jump in here. We're gonna be at Matthew five. We're gonna read this in verse one. Here's what it says. So it says, got into a town, another place. It says, so seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth. And so here's where we are right now. Let's look at the scene. So in this scene, what we see clearly, there are two distinct groups of people. There's a, two circles of people. There's the inner circle, uh, which were his disciples. These were the people who were already committed to Jesus. They were following Jesus. And, and then there was the outer group of people uh, that they called the crowds. It was the crowds of people. And what it says, I just want us to see this in verse one, uh, is that he was teaching his disciples. It was something specific to his followers, but he didn't mind the crowds hearing it. He didn't mind the crowds hearing it at all. In fact, if you read the entire Sermon on the Mount, if you drop down to the very end of it in Matthew 7, it says this. It says that in when Jesus finished these sayings, again to his disciples, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And so I just want to point this out is that I think Jesus wanted the crowd to hear what he had to say, even though it was geared specifically towards the believers. And this, by the way, why I'm bringing this up, is this is why we do what we do here. This is why we do, it's the same way that, that we do it here. We bring the word of God here every Sunday uh, and we do it primarily to encourage and teach and inspire followers of Jesus. But we also will always do it in a way because for, to be a place that's open and inviting to anyone here to hear the word of God and learn about Jesus. We want people to listen and this is my biggest heart for people. We always wanna play, be a place where everyone's welcome. I, I just want, and I hope you feel this too. I want this to be, a place for skeptics. I want this to be a place for the curious people who are searching for answers. And so we will never shy away from what the word of God says, but we will always do it in a way for others to hear and see and know who Jesus is because he can change your life. And so I want anybody and everybody to hear about who Jesus is and what he can do because he's a message for everyone. Amen, everybody. So I just want to put that in front of us and, and I don't want to forget who we are. So, so Jesus hikes up to this mountain all right, just think about this. And so he's doing it because he wants everybody to hear his message. And I can imagine everyone just watching him for a minute. It's gonna take a few minutes and they're just looking at him. And I can imagine the anticipation of what he's gonna say. They're like, what is he gonna say? You know, what's he gonna talk about? And then he finally gets to a place where he feels like everybody can hear him. So he, so he turns around and he starts with one word. And here's the word he starts with, blessed, blessed. And in the next 10 verses, he lays out what is called the Beatitudes. And why it's called the Beatitudes? Because the word uh, Beatitude comes from the word blessedness, blessedness. But when you, when you look, and that's what many of your translations say, but when you look at the actual word that, that we have blessed in there, it's the Greek word called makarios, makarios. And, and why I wanna bring this up is because it was actually, that word was used to describe not being blessed, like you have blessings or, or a lot of things going on, a bunch of material things. It, here's what it was actually used to describe, makarios. It was used, listen to this, to describe people who lived in another world far from the problems and worries of others. 
That's what he was saying, that it was ascribing people who lived in another world from the problems and worries of others. So those who were blessed with what Jesus was about to say, it's like they're living in another realm. They're living in another world. And so, so what Jesus is about to get into, again, he's talking to his disciples, but he's okay with everybody to hear that, is that he is giving to believers in him the potential of what could be ours. He's like, if you wanna know the potential of what living for me is about, I'm gonna tell you that he's gonna say, I'm gonna tell you what you can be experiencing. And, he, and here's what you need to catch before we get into this list, okay? Because this blessedness, this state of well-being is gonna be found in the most unlikely of places. You'll get it when you see it. I'm telling you, you'll see what I mean. So, so let's go. What we're gonna do is we're gonna read all of them piece by piece and then, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, so we're gonna pick this up in verse three. So he opened his mouth and he said this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. And so Jesus is, is saying here to his disciples that you're blessed. Now we gotta catch this. Not when you're just believing in him, but that you are pursuing God's kingdom, that there are be believers who are pursuing God in a way where you will find yourself in this state of well-being like nobody else. In fact, even different than people who say that they believe in God and say that they're Christians. This is a distinction and a difference that Jesus is making here with people who don't just say they believe in God, but they are pursuing the kingdom of God. And he's saying, as you do this, as you pursue God and his kingdom, you're gonna know. And here's why you will know, because you're gonna find yourself in postures and positions that are not gonna be the same postures and positions that this world are saying are blessed. That's what he's saying. See, the world has happiness, it does. I even I have a debate with a friend of mine. The world even does have a semblance of joy. There, I said it, Greg. So, so it, it, we, but here's what we tend to do. We take the bait of the world though, because in the world's economy, here's what happens every single time. See, our happiness can only go up and down because it can only offer material and temporary things. So, so for instance, this is where we get take the bait. So, so if your happiness, for instance, is based on money, which unfortunately a lot of Christians take the bait of. See, then when you have money, you're up. When you don't, you're down. Like if your physical well-being is, is what you base your happiness. And then when you're feeling good, you're up, right? If, you, if you're feeling bad, if you're physically not good, you're down. If you're depressed, you're down, right? So, so that happens. If your football team wins up, right? That's all I'll say about us in this state right now. That's all I'm gonna say. I wanna stay positive because I tell you, if you're green or white or gold and blue, it ain't looking good right now. I hope I'm wrong, okay? Hope I'm wrong this year. I hope we all do great. But it's what happens. It's what happens. It's the state of well-being goes up and down the way things go with what the world offers. But Jesus is saying, but not for the people of God. 
Come on, somebody, not for the people of God, because for us, you see, our joy, our happiness is not like anyone else's because it's coming from a place that is so deep inside our soul and only changed and transformed by God. So it is anchored, listen to me, it's anchored in with the joy of the Lord and that's completely different. See, because what he's saying is that there, the joy of the Lord is a never ending. It is a constant source regardless of what's going on, regardless of the ups and downs of this world. So Jesus here, it's awesome. He's giving us the recipe. He's giving us a picture of what it means to live for God. And it's not so you get blessings. It's not so you get blessings. That's not the same, but it's that you're blessed. Or even where I read somewhere else, I love this, that you're fortunate. It's like, fortunate are you if you get this, if you see God for who he is and see his kingdom for what it's all about. And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to look at these. We already read them. We're going to look at these. And here's my hope. My hope today is that we are encouraged. That's my hope, that we're encouraged. Because I think this is what Jesus is trying to get us to be, encouraged as we see some of these things going on. And then also, here's the thing, gang, that we're just spurred on a little bit, that we're spurred on a little bit to pursue the kingdom of God more in the areas where we're not seeing these characteristics. Fair enough? I think that's fair enough. I think we should be encouraged today with this message. So look at, let's look at these. If you're taking notes, I kind of divide these up into three parts so we can understand them a little bit more. They all actually have sections about them, I believe. So here's the first one if you're taking notes. It's that blessings come from posture. And those are the first three. And I think order matters. I think he was very specific on the order, but he's saying that blessings come from being poor in spirit, mourning, and blessed are the meek. And so if we, if we look at these first three postures as we leave these up here for a second, uh, all, if we look at these three characteristics, they're all based on a posture of me not thinking too highly of myself. Right, I, I can't think too highly of myself. It's describing a posture of humility when it comes to us and God that, that we, we should have more of a lowly disposition than thinking we're so great. So the first one he says is, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So Jesus is saying that the first key to happy people, the first key to people who are like, man, uh, uh, fortunate are you, is that everything we see and we realize that everything inside us pales in comparison to God and his greatness. That's it, like I see God for who he is, I see me for who I am, I'm poor in spirit, that, that I'm poor compared to God's richness. That, that's what it's saying. So, so here's what I wanna tell you, this actually is good news for so many of you out here. See, the audience that was listening to that, they were trying to figure out what was the bar? What, what's the bar that is set for me in order to be in God's good graces? But here's what Jesus is saying. See, if you're not setting any spiritual records, if you're, if you're missing the mark of religious activity, I have really good news. Because see, in Jesus' kingdom, it is only open to spiritual debtors. That's what he's saying. Somebody should have said amen to that. It's only open to people who understand the debt that we owe. It's people who realize, listen, what I bring to the table, everything I bring is rags compared to God and who he is and what he can do. And here's the reality of all. I'm telling you, this is the reality of everybody, but I don't think everybody realizes it. See, everyone, everyone, whether you admit this or not, is powerless without God. You are absolutely powerless without God. That's a reality for everyone, but not everyone is blessed. That's what Jesus is saying. It's your reality. You're not everyone. Jesus is saying you're blessed or you're fortunate when you realize that and then you actually turn to the higher power who is God. That's where power comes. That's where it'll happen. Then he says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you who mourn. Now, this is a weird one. No one, like, no one wants to mourn. No one's like, yay, I want to mourn. Like, no one wants to do that. No one wants to mourn, but we, here's the thing. We do, we all mourn. And Jesus says, here's what he's saying. 
that when you are pursuing the kingdom of God, you see your mourning that all of us have will find comfort. That it'll find comfort if you're pursuing the kingdom of God. My, uh, my commentaries actually say, I was reading a lot of commentaries this week. Actually, the mourning that Jesus is talking about uh, is, the, is mourning the effects and consequences of sin in our lives. Like that's what he's actually getting at. And it makes sense because when he was talking and teaching, he was actually talking a lot about the kingdom of God and how we should turn to him and repent. And that's what he was preaching about with God's economy. But here's my wonder, what, what about uh, the other mourning? Like, what about when I lose someone or, or I lose something? Does that apply too? And here's my, here's my take. Yes, it does. Because here's what, you, you won't go very, if you start reading the Bible, you won't go very far until you run into a place that talks about God's comfort through tragedy, God's comfort through loss, and, and it's all over the place. And so I actually think both apply. I really do. Uh, because here's the thing, either way, either way, mourning is pointing to the same feeling, which is this, a deep grief. And right when I said that, you know what I'm talking about, that we have a deep grief that exists in this world. And here's what Jesus is saying, everybody, you gotta catch this. He is saying there is a way where we can embrace mourning and it's something that God can comfort you in. That, that listen, that mourning isn't something that is in conflict with God. It's not something that gets in the way of the existence of God. It's not something that points to something being wrong in our lives. It's actually the complete opposite. See, mourning is a thing that we want, and here's why. Because if we didn't mourn, then we wouldn't care and we wouldn't love. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why I kind of want it in my life. It's not something I look forward to, but man, if I, if I didn't have it, it means I wouldn't care and I love. And here's what it also points to, everybody. It points to God. When I mourn, because it points to God and his provision and his purpose and his presence in my life, we will mourn. It is a fact. And we should mourn over sin. That's what Jesus is saying. We should be deeply grieved by it. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. It's just one or two ways. We will either embrace it with, with mourning. We will either embrace it with God and his kingdom and find comfort, or we will go the other way of the world and find confusion and frustration. And he's saying, for those who pursue the kingdom of God, when it does happen, you'll find comfort. And then he says, blessed are the meek. There's a third one, meek. Right? It's not a word that we, that we use a lot, right? You, you don't hear people saying that about themselves. Like when's the last time you ever went to a job interview and they said, hey, give me your strengths. And you go, man, I'm just real meek. Like, I love it. I love me some meekness. Like I got a lot of meekness going on in my life. No, but you don't hear a lot of people speaking about uh, that in their lives. We don't hear it a lot because I don't think we understand what the word means. Like here's what we think. We think meek means weak. Maybe because it rhymes, I don't know. But, but that's not what it means. Here's what it means. See, in the Greco-Roman world, when that term was used, they all understood it to mean this, controlled strength. That's what it meant, that it meant controlled strength. It's actually also what they referred to, some of you know this, as the bit that they put in a horse's mouth. Meek, that, that's what it meant. So, so think about that. You got this big, strong, powerful horse, like this big thing that is way stronger than a lot of other men and women combined. And, and then you just put this little thing in it in its mouth and work with it and it becomes harnessed. It becomes directed, it becomes controlled. That's what it means. And so for us, here's what I want us to catch. See, for us, uh, being meek is still powerful. Like it's still strength, but it's just submitted to someone who can lead it with purpose. It's power under somebody else's authority. You get what I'm saying? And here's why you want this, everybody. Here's why, because when we actually do that, see then the power and the strength that we have, it won't become damaging. 
Unfortunately, that's what we see a lot in this world, that power and strength becomes damaging. It, it, it won't uh, uh, get out of control. It won't be hurting. It's guided under the strength and the harnessing of the master. See, Jesus is saying, and here's what he says your reward is. Man, you want the world? You want the world? That's what he says. Go with meekness. Go with meekness. And, and the only way that we'll do these, the only way that we'll get into these is if we have the right posture. This posture, this understanding, this right position of us and God. And so those three beatitudes are our posture that we should have such a high thought uh, about God uh, and who he is that, that brings ourselves uh, to him in the right way. And, and that's the only way that we'll be on track. Like what we're about to look, we will not be able to do the rest of this list unless we have the right posture because all we'll end up being without the right posture is self-righteous and thinking we're better than everybody else and prideful. Because here's the second characteristic if you're taking notes is that blessings also come from purity. But purity from the posture of lowliness that, that we can only go after. And it's four, it's the next four of the lists that he says, those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, pure in heart, and the peacemakers. And so they're all, all of these are about the pursuit of holiness in our lives, that, that we will have these things going when we're pursuing holiness in our lives. Basically, when we live out our yes to God, these are the things that will be happening and going on. So the first one he says is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I love that one because that's a metaphor we all can get right? Like we all know what it means to be hungry and thirsty. We all know what it means uh, to have a desire to eat and drink when we feel like that. And Jesus is saying, see, this is how people pursuing the kingdom of God are like with his righteousness, that they hunger for it. They have a thirst for it. And, and here's what you get in case you're wondering how you're doing there. Jesus says this, it's all, you'll become satisfied. So let me ask you, I just want to ask you, how satisfied are you? Like, do you have a general sense of spiritual satisfaction and just regular satisfaction in this life? Because gang, listen to me. I think Jesus is pointing to a really big reality for a lot of Christians and it's that they are dissatisfied. So why are so many Christians dissatisfied? I actually hear that a lot when I talk to people and their faith is, I hear, I'm just not feeling it. I don't feel connected. My faith isn't where it used to be. Uh, you know, I'm in a rut spiritually. I hear that a lot. And, and gang, listen to me, why people are feeling restless in your faith, why so many Christians are not feeling it with God or feeling like things are just not connecting is because ironically enough, you are not spiritually satisfied. So what you think is, re is real, it's true. That's actually true. But, but here's the thing, gang, the cause of it is the issue. It's the cause that's the issue. See, because the problem isn't God. In fact, the problem isn't anybody else around you or the group that you're in or, or, or the church, the worship isn't like what I love and I, the church should be doing this instead of that. And, and man, why don't we go deeper and all that stuff? None of that's right. It's all a scapegoat, everybody. Because Jesus just said, not Andy, Jesus said, your spiritual satisfaction has more to do with what you're doing than what the collective of everybody else in this world is doing. That's what he's saying, that that's where it comes from. And here's what I believe. This is what I believe, Okay. Being spiritually satisfied is one of the most powerful things that can affect every single area of your life. But yet I think it's one of the most neglected things going on with Christians in this world. And here's why. Because what we end up doing is we end up feeding on other things. And then when we feed on other things other than the things of God, we get full, we get full, but we become spiritually anemic. 
We're spiritually anemic. So then we don't have, the, we have this weird energy. We don't have the spiritual energy that we should have to get thriving in this world. And then we end up feeling disappointed. We end up feeling discouraged by it. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And you know, one of the strangest places that it shows itself, actually it's right here on Sunday morning because here's what actually happens. Here's what should be happening on a Sunday morning when we gather together to, to worship God and lift high the name of Jesus. See, spiritually satisfied people who are, who are pursuing the kingdom of God, they come in this place for their satisfaction to be like topped off because it's like already there with everything that they're pursuing. But unfortunately, what we see a lot of times are people coming in here empty and they're wanting this to completely fill them up. It's impossible to do. We cannot do for you in an hour of your week with what you should be doing with all of your time with the rest of the week. Do you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? You see the difference that it's making? And there are spiritually satisfied people coming here going, yes, just top me off, baby. Like, I love that. I love that about who we are, but so many of us don't have that going on. Now, I'm guessing if you're here and I'm guessing if you're watching that you are, that, that you are feeding in, right? I wanna encourage you. You're feeding in uh, on that uh, in this relationship. But here's what I wanna encourage you. And see, the, the more you feed on something, the more your appetite will grow for it. That's what, especially when it comes to God and his word and, and his ways and all the things that you see that are beautiful about him. So this is a time thing. That's all this is. This is a quality time thing. So all I wanna ask you here, if you are spiritually dissatisfied, A, stop looking around. I hate to tell you that, I don't, I don't wanna like, I wanna encourage you, but it's nobody else's fault. It's not our fault, it's not, it, I'm telling you, we wanna encourage you and love you and we want this place to be a, a, an encouraging place in the name of Jesus. But, but I also wanna tell you this, like, where's your quality time at? Like, how are you doing there? Like, are you scooting time in your day where you're saying nothing else fills out about my, except for my time with you, Lord, because man, my hunger and thirst, I just, I hunger and I thirst you like I do for water and food in my life. It's that important. And so every part of my day, it's not just a quick prayer. It's not that I am spending time with you. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? If so, Jesus says, you will be satisfied. That's, a, that's an encouraging thing to think about. I just, I want that in my life. And then he says, blessed are the merciful. That's the next one. That, that if you show, this is an easy one. If you show mercy to others, God will show mercy to you. To, to be merciful is, is, is that, you, that you look past others' offenses, That's, that you don't quickly look to their offenses and, and you're not always looking to get even. And so all I wanna ask is, are you merciful? Are you merciful? I sound old. Are you merciful? Not merciful. Are you merciful? <laughs> Is this a characteristic that you have going on? Because if you are, God will show you mercy. And then he says, blessed are you pure in heart. The G Man, I love this one because he says, you know what? If you're pure in heart, you will see God. Like you have the clearest view of God of anybody else if you are pure in heart. And here's what it means. Here's what being pure in heart means. It means that I'm keeping my motives clean. I'm keeping my motives pure and, and clear, okay? And so none of us are perfect. That's not what he's talking about. But what he's saying, a pure heart is wanting to do the right things. And when we actually end up doing the wrong things, we just have a desire to get right back to the right things. Actually, uh, Leon Morris uh, said it this way. I love how he said it in the Pillar of New Testament commentary. He said, Everyone now and then does what's right. But Jesus is pointing to hearers, not to occasional acts, but a passionate concern for the right. I love that. That's, that's where I wanna be. Check out what David says in Psalm 24 about it. He says, hey, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? It's the one who has clean hands and it's the one who has a pure heart. I think of all of these, I actually think this is a big one. I think this is one of the ones that Satan attacks the most. I think that he, because he's the thing, he is always enticing. He is always attacking with impurity. And he does it because he just, he picks people off left and right with it. 
And, and he does it because if he can just get an inch with that, it'll go a mile in your heart. You get what I'm saying? Because it's just a progression. It doesn't take much. It seems innocent at first. And then listen to me, it's just a progression of pornography. It's just a progression in drunkenness. It's just a progression of greed, it's stuff like that. That's what it, and Satan, here's what I'm telling you. Satan knows that people who don't pursue pure heart are pushovers. And he knows the opposite as well. He knows those who are pursuing him and he knows that too. So is your heart pure? Is your heart pure? What does the enemy know about your heart, right? Are you a pushover or are you a pillar of purity in your life? He says, you will get the clearest view of God if you're pursuing a pure heart. And then he says, blessed are the peacemakers. That this one should, and then this one should have raised some eyebrows with folks because um, the, the, then their culture then, it was purely, absolutely accepted uh, an eye for an eye. It was like, hey, if you do something to me, I get to do something to you. That's how I get retribution. It was totally seen in all communities as that was the right thing to do. And then Jesus comes in and he says something totally different with God's way in his kingdom. He says, hey, you know what? There's a higher calling for people who wanna follow me. There's a higher calling when it comes to offenses that happen that we don't perpetuate brokenness. We actually make peace where, when, with whoever I can. That totally flipped it on people's heads right there. So again, are you someone who's known to make peace rather than perpetuate brokenness? And here's, here's the last characteristic, last one really quick, because it's just one in three verses. This is blessed are the persecuted. The blessings come from persecution. So, so don't miss this one. And, and, and just realize this as you write this one down. Persecution will come from simply following Jesus. Right, that's all he's saying. Persecution will come from simply following Jesus. That you may, you, and this is crazy when I list this, that you may suffer from being loving, holy, truthful, good, humble, and righteous. And if you put those together, it sounds crazy, but that's what he's saying will happen. It will happen if you do that, that if you live for Jesus, you'll be persecuted for it. What does persecution look like? I think there's two kinds. I think one is the most common kind and it's not uh, as harmful, but it's still hurtful. Uh, just little jabs here and there. And I think the other was literal persecution that we see in the world with people are living out their faith. So, so here's my takeaway on this one. Here's my takeaway on this one, okay? If you don't feel any kind of pull like if you don't feel any kind of pressure from the culture and the world around you, I would just ask you to look at this one a little bit. Like if you don't feel anything there, if you, if you don't get any pushback from people because of the yeses and nos in your life, because your faith is dictating them, then it may be an area to look at everybody. I get, made, I get made fun of from time to time. I do from friends of mine who are following Jesus, who, who are uh, not following his word. It's like, a, they're joking and I get it, you know, but, but I do get made fun of uh, because when my faith that drives my convictions, that, that makes my yeses and nos, when they go in the face of a world who doesn't make the same decisions and, and is okay with everything else, like I get the business from them sometimes. I do, I really do. Uh, and I would say that Courtney and I, uh, we probably get it from folks not said to our faces as much and how we parent or, or how we do our marriage or the margins that we make in our lives. They don't look the same in this world or the number of commitments that we make to the world versus the number of commitments that we make to Christ. I would say to a lot of people, it looks weird. A lot of church people might look weird too. I don't know, uh, but, but we shouldn't be surprised. We should not be surprised. It should actually look more normal to look weird for us as followers. Jesus, because catch it. Jesus didn't say if you get persecuted. He says, when, come on somebody. He says, when, because when you live like Jesus is really in charge, it ain't gonna look like everybody else. Listen, we're gonna look weird. 
Really weird. But see, it just, it's gonna happen. But see, when we are pursuing the kingdom of God so much, it just won't matter as much when we get pursued. It won't, it won't. We'll say it and we're like, oh man. And because we're seeing all these other things happening in our lives, we'll be blessed as a result. And so, so these are the postures. These are the positions of people who are pursuing the God, kingdom of God here. And, and so here's what I wanna do. Here's where we're gonna end. And, and I want us to give us a few minutes to do this because I think once we stand up and walk out, the world's gonna hit us again. I want us to give us a few minutes to think about this. So the band's gonna come up and just play us Song. We're okay. Everybody's okay. Your kids are okay. We sit. And, and I want to take this in because here's my encouragement to you. And I put all of them on your outline so you can look at them and kind of meditate on them. The song is going to sing them as well. And here's my encouragement. Jesus wants you to have a blessed life. He really does. And he just gave you what it looks like. That is a blessing in itself, isn't it? Like he just gave us the list. This shouldn't be something that discourages us. It should be something that inspires us to live and, and, and like for no one else except for Jesus in a world that isn't, okay? Because don't miss this. Jesus says, it's what having the power of the kingdom looks like. And I want you to have it and you will be blessed. I love it. And he's saying, blessed are you. Fortunate are you. Fortunate are you. Rejoice in this because the kingdom is working on you. It's almost like he is congratulating you. And so I want to challenge us as we go through this to think about him. Maybe God's speaking to you about a few. Just give him this time. We're going to sit and take it in. I'll come back out and I'll pray.
us as we close this morning. God, we do come to you. Thank you for blessing us with your love and, and your care for us and, and the desire that you have for us to, to be blessed in this life. God, help us see clearly who you are. See clearly what Jesus said. Thank you, Jesus, for just not only giving us this, but giving us your life so that we can have it abundantly. We love you and, and we just pray these things. I pray we're encouraged by your word today and then we go out there just wanting to pursue your kingdom more. And it's, it's all that we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, I pray this was encouraging today. Go out there, uh, live for Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday.